Praise the name of the Lord. Welcome in on this Sunday morning. With a brisk morning, lots of frost, little sunshine. Praise the Lord. Let us open with prayer. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. We thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of God with the people of God. We pray now, Lord Jesus, that your blessings be upon this house, so that your spirit inhabit every place in this house, Lord. You have control, and Holy Spirit, come and do what you do to minister unto those that need you, Father. Lift us up, encourage us, Lord. Break our chains and tear down the strongholds by the truth of Jesus Christ. Father, you have your way in this house. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Enemy of mine, I command you in the name of Jesus. I bind and rebuke you and send you back to where you came. You are not allowed to occupy in this place with this people in Jesus' name. Father, every person that comes through that door, Lord, let them feel your love. Let them see your truth. Let them desire and hunger after you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to exhibit and be the godly people that we are called to be, the army of God in this day and this time. I submit myself wholly to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in the last couple of um, Sundays, we've been talking about who you are. You are planted to flourish. You are to be fruitful. You are a royal priest, not just a regular priest, a royal priest because of who your daddy is. And uh, that you're anointed to live and do what you're called to do. Today I want to talk to you about being lively stones. Lively stones. Now when I was studying last week about the royal priest, Leviticus 21 was... Part of that, but for some reason the Lord didn't let me give that information. And today I know why. He wanted it for today. So Leviticus 21, this is rules for the priest, if you have the King James Version. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the priest, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people. In other words, to be ceremonially unclean, they could not touch a dead body. It did give stipulations to kin, like mother, father, his son, his daughter, his brother, and a sister who was a virgin who didn't have a husband. They could touch the dead bodies of those, but they were not to touch or even be in the room with dead bodies. And they would, can be considered ceremonially unclean, which would mean they couldn't perform their priestly duties. It was interesting that that was, you know, that was given, of course, to help protect their health, etc., and other things. But I brought it into the 21st century. We are not called to be yoked with the unbelievers. Second Corinthians 6 and 14 plainly says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And you could look at that and it says, What fellowship, what partnership does have righteousness have with lawlessness? One of the versions says, 
lawlessness because they were not right with Christ. They were not right in God's eyes. And what communion or what fellowship does light have with darkness? We were called out of the darkness into the marvelous light, according to 1 Peter 2. So God brought me to 1 Peter 2 and 5, if you'll go there with me. And this is where we're going to take our text from today. But I wanted to give you that basis as to why this was so important. It was important in the early Christian, in the ceremonial, those who worshipped, who were servants of God, a priest of God. It was important for them to understand that they were different. They were called to be peculiar people, as, as the verse says. We are different and not in a way that, you know, makes you proud, a prideful person, but you are supposed to realize that you are called and set apart for a holy service. So, Second Peter 1, I may do a lot of reading, but it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. When you become and understand that you are servant first, and then you're apostle, or preacher, or teacher, or pastor, or whatever you're calling think you might be. You are still a servant first. And most of the books that you see written by the, the men, the apostles, they learned to say they were bond servants or servants of. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So to be multiplied, to grow, to become, you have to have multiplied knowledge of. According as his divine power has given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So through the knowledge of a relationship, we'll call it, through knowing and understanding our Lord and Savior and applying His values to our lives, we have all we need for life and for godliness. He imparted His Holy Spirit into you. He empowered you and gave you everything that you need. You just simply have to apply it. You have to learn and apply it. That's why reading the Word, being at church, and listening to foundational truth is important whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you may might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and i want to change the version to new living and read the rest of it because um this talks about growing in faith. It says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enabled you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. And if you didn't know that human desire leads to corruption, there it is. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises Supplement your faith with a uh, generous provision of moral excellence. We read this last week. And a moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. 
and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old ways. So growing in your faith is important. Having the knowledge of, of God, having his understanding. Uh, you know, and I read that that's Second Peter 1. I want you to flip up to First uh, Peter 2. But it's important for you to grow in the knowledge of God. Second Peter 2 and 1 says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And let me tell you, child of God, that is you. You will be rejected by people, usually the ones closest to you, your family, those you thought loved you, friends that you have had for years. When you start walking this walk in the living stone and being a living stone of God, don't think it's strange when they do that. Christ experienced it. But he said that he was chosen for great honor. And you are, and he's talking about Christ, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. There's that word again. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Meditation just means that you're studying and and uh, immersed into this, uh, into Jesus and his life and his ways and his truth. And you're applying that to your life. But it says you are offer up spiritual lives, uh, sacrifices that please God. The King James Version of that verse, it says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. There's that word again. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We are made to be alive in Christ. It's a wonderful thing when you learn that the things of this world no longer excite you. Or bring you the joy that they once did. Because let me tell you, your emotions are no longer going to be in control. And we can't live by our feelings, can we? Nope. Been there, done that, right? Lived by what made me happy. I chased it, I chased it until one day I realized I was a slave to that thing. Joy is totally different than happiness. Joy may show up on the outside as happiness, but joy is I am uh, content whether I'm abased or abound, as Paul says. Whether I'm going through the trials or I'm going through uh, the mountaintops or the valleys, as we say in the old, uh, the old Pentecost ways, I am content because I am in him and he is in me. And I have great promises. Great promises. All things will work to my good. That means some of it's not going to look good. 
That means some of it ain't going to feel good. Some of it ain't going to sound good. Some of it's going to be hard and difficult, but it's going to work to my good if I put my hand to the plow and keep going. Keep going. Living stones, the New King James calls it, instead of lively stones. So we have our life in Christ. We see in this chapter, Peter is speaking in terms that the people of that day understand because the temple of God was a very important thing to the Christians, especially to the Jews. I mean, it was all about the temple. You traveled at certain times of the year, miles and miles to the temple to worship God. So he was trying to make this uh, simulation to them so they could understand this metaphor of the stone. Christ is the chief cornerstone. And on him is built the temple. And they called it the um, spiritual house here. It's a house of spiritual people. And it, so let's go on. Verse 6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So let me tell you something. If you're putting your foundation on anything else, what what did pastor talk about Wednesday night? Matthew 7. It ain't going to stand. You've got to have the right foundation. He said they build a house on a rock. And when the winds came and when the floods came, notice both houses had to go through that. That's what our pastor talked about Wednesday night. Both houses had to experience life. But one stood And what did not, because the one that was founded on the rock, who is the chief cornerstone, Christ, stood the test of time. Stood the test of whatever came in life, whether it be by your own hand, by the hand of another, or by the enemy. It says, we have Christ as a foundational stone. Notice that that is singular, that there is not more than one. It is Christ. Christ said himself, Jesus said, no other man come through the Father save by me. There is no other way. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what Jerry Springer says. I don't care what any of them say. It is lie from hell. I'm here to tell you, you cannot get to God through many paths. There's only one way. So he is chosen of God, but rejected by men. And precious. I love that. Because a lot of times in ministry and as a Christian in general, you feel rejected by men. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Somebody asked me one time, why do you do what you do? I said, because God put me here. And I'm here until God takes me out. But I found that living outside of God's will for my life is a terrible place that I don't ever want to be. Never. Precious. Precious just means it's valuable. It is highly regarded. It is costly. It is honored. It is distinguished. And how often do we treat Jesus, his word, that way? I can look at my life and there's some days I get up. I don't honor God by having any time at all with him. I just get about my busy day because my head's a swirling about everything that needs to be done that day. And I don't sit and take time to honor him. 
maybe it's just getting up in the morning and, and I lay in bed and thank God for waking up, having breath, having the ability to move out of the bed onto the floor and into the other rooms that you just don't, we take so much so granted. But we should honor God in everything. Some people can't get out of bed. They might wake up, but they can't get out of that bed. And if you've ever been in that situation, that's a scary place to be. He, was, he is precious. He is the chief's corner scone. And, and what that meant was that was a rock upon which the weight of the entire structure rests. That is Christ Jesus. Our salvation. The New Testament Christians, as some say. Remember at the Last Supper, he said, this is my body. This is my blood. It's for the new covenant. He came to fulfill the law, which was what the Jews had in the Old Testament. And he came to be the chief cornerstone. What's the other purpose of the chief cornerstone? It unites the walls together. So through me and connected to him, I'm connected to Miriam. She's connected to Sherry. She's connected to Donna. We are building this spiritual structure. And it's just not this church here I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual structure. I'm talking about... A family. A family. A lot of people say they know they're not loved by their families, and that is probably true. But you have a Christ-centered family that you should always be able to depend upon. It takes a community, don't it? <laughs> it takes a community. My brother and I were talking about that. It takes a community. But let's read on what it says about Christ. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock, excuse me, of offense. Isn't that interesting? That's a formula there. When you come into this, and you'll meet people like this, even in the church. It don't have to be someone outside. And the preacher is preaching the truth, and we all know that the truth sets you free. Where the spirit of the truth is, of God, is where the word of God is, there's freedom. But all of a sudden, they stumbled over that rock, over the word of God. Oh, wait a minute. Because they're living usually in within whatever we're talking about. And then once they stumbled, they become offended. Oh, well, I can't go back there no more. That preacher, I don't know what he's talking about. He must be out of his head. I don't know what she's talking about. I wasn't in my Bible. I never was told that by mommy and daddy. Well, honey, open the word for yourself. I had great parents. I had a godly father, godly mother. I had a pastor and a minister for a father. So it's very hard to come up under somebody else's teaching because I wanted the truth. I didn't want to just believe what somebody else told me. I got in the Word and looked it up for myself and talked to God myself because I wanted the truth. I didn't want to be stumbling around in the dark. I didn't want to fall and be offensive. Turn into. So stumbling usually leads to offense. It's real easy to figure out somebody that stumbled because they usually have some very unkind words to say about the Word of God if they were given the truth. It says, Even to them which stumble at the Word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were 
they were appointed. It says, here's the verse we, we preached on last week. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Isn't that interesting? It's so funny to sit. It's not funny, but it's interesting to sit and watch the faces of those that you're talking to or teaching to. And you can tell who just stumbled and who's offensive, <laughs> who's offended. It don't take long to see it, even on their faces. But I want to return back to being lively or living stones. Simply put, we have our very being in Christ Jesus. Acts 17 and 28. And I want you to listen to these words. And these are verbs. These are like action words. Acts 17 and 28. What is my calling? What am I supposed to be doing for Christ? Not everybody has the microphone. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody can play an instrument. But everybody can be a lively stone, a living stone for Christ. That's what we're called to do. Verse 28. For in him, meaning Christ, we live and move and have our being. Those are action words. If you're not living moving and having your being within Jesus Christ and the salvation that he set forth for you, then you got a problem. Stagnation, stopping, not moving forward, not producing, not growing as babes in Christ to toddlerhood or whatever the next level is in your life. You've got a problem. Stagnation has set in. And the enemy, you've opened the door for the enemy. So let's look at those words. Live. That means to be alive in. Be alive in. John 10 and 10, Jesus said, you know, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came that you have life and life more abundantly. That's the kind of life you're supposed to be living. And we're not just talking about financial things. We're talking about peace and joy and love. Things are going to happen because we live in a cruel uh, world controlled by the enemy, but you walk in all power and authority. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I, and this is an NIV version, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, here, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Live. We live. We move. Move means to excite or to stir up. You're supposed to be excited about this walk. You're supposed to show a desire for him. Do you know what? After 30 some years of marriage with my husband. If I shut the door on that for him. And didn't pay no attention to him and treated him truly like a roommate, nothing more. How much of a relationship do you think my husband and I would have? 
No, he wants you to be excited for him. You know, the one thing that's all, I grew up in the church. I grew up playing sports in school and stuff like that. But I always wanted to please my parents because I love them. And I wanted them to be proud for me. So every Christmas play, every cantata, whatever I was involved, every sports that I played in, anything that I did, I wanted to please my parents because they love me. And I love them too. And most kids, whether you feel the love back from your parents or not, you still have that innate desire to show someone that you love them by doing well. Doing well in school came easy for me. I had no problems with that. But maybe you struggled in that, and maybe you worked hard for that. I do remember one time I brought home an F on my report card, and I thought my father was going to take my life right there in the living, right there out in the, on the patio when he saw that report. I never again brought home anything under a C. Never. Never. Because I loved him, and I wanted him to be proud of me. But do you move like you love him? He's everywhere around us. But sometimes I'm so disconnected here that I can't even spend, I'm not spending time with him. Do you move in him? Have your being, or one version says, because, and you are. That means you exist, I am. I exist, I am. It's no longer me who lives in this body, but it is Christ. See how easy it is to be a living stone if you allow Christ to live through you. You make those choices. You do what you can. First Peter encourages us to live life as living stones in Christ. Empowered to have a life more abundantly. Not in just financial issues, but in our will, and our mindsets, in the way we walk and talk how we dress, the way we look, the way we carry ourselves. That's very important. How do you carry yourself? You know, these Christians that go around here with sad faces, and they post them pictures on Facebook of themselves sad. I'm like, girl, that is not Christ-like. I know you're struggling. God knows you're struggling. Does that bring honor to him? Does that bring glory to his name? No. And they don't, you can walk around at church and at work and you can see them. They've got their heads down. They're just disconnected. Bring, bring your face up. You are a child of the Most High. And you have authority in so many ways. To give honor, it is also a form of praise and worship to Him. Because people will look at you and say, I know the struggles that you have. How is it that you're able to, to be such a joyful person? You have a smile on your face. I know all hell's breaking loose at home, but here you are praising God and doing and honoring God by doing what you are called to be a Christian, a Christ-like. From a child. If you look at the rest of Peter, uh, 2 Peter, or 1 Peter, um, you learned so many things about it. I'll talk about it in a minute. But um, we are built up. To promote growth in Christ. Let's go back to that. Second Peter. Or is it? No, it's First Peter. I keep saying second. First Peter 2. 
You also, as lively stones, are built up. Built up. That is always his plan, to build up. He doesn't allow the enemy to tear down unless you allow it in your life. We are to promote growth in Christianity, in wisdom and affection, grace and virtue, holiness, to give one strength and courage, to edify, which means to instruct or improve someone's morality or build, construct by putting together piece by piece. We are to make stronger, to be more intense. We are called to be bold, build up. When you understand what you have in Christ Jesus and who you are to this world, I mean, you are sons and daughters of the person who spoke everything into existence. Just spoke it. Let there be light. And the one that got down on the ground in the dirt and formed you after his own image. And then breathe his breath into your life, in your body. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Is anything of that says that you don't deserve to be built up? To be empowered? To be bold? To walk in holiness? You think he's going to let you fall? Uh-uh. Do you know what? I can walk out on the scene, and I know my husband's got my back. Sometimes my stupid mouth will get me into some stuff, and he'll just, he just stands there. I go, oh, Lord, here we go. That's the way it is with God. I know, son, you, you put your mouth on it. Get back here. Let me, let me fix this. Let's work this out together. I know you fell. It's okay. Get back up. Come on. I'm right here. I'm not going to pull you up. I'm going to let you do it on your own because you've got to want it. Come on. It's okay. You are made to be built up. And it says you are not just built up. You're built up for spiritual, a spiritual house. One that is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. God's spiritual dwelling. Isn't that awesome? The one that put everything together. Nothing was made without him. He dwells here. He dwells in you. He gives you the ability to be. The other thing is the holy priesthood. Remember what the priest does. He offers offerings. He serves God. He has access to God. And he offers spirit, sacrifices and gifts. It says that you offer up spiritual sacrifices. What does that mean? It's not a physical sacrifice for say like in the Old Testament. But spiritual usually manifests itself into the natural. It's a dedicated life to God. Approved by him. It's eternal worship which always produces external results. It's conduct that honors God. Conduct that honors God. Loving and helping others. Studying the word. Applying it to your life. Spending time listening to the doctrine, the truth. We do that in church. You do that in Sunday school. You do that when you come and listen to God. Uh, reproving or helping others, lifting them up, showing them the right way. We always do it in love and restoring them. You've got everything you need, Galatians 5, 22, excuse me, through 23. This fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Galatians 5 and 16, what does that say? And my time is short. I'm trying to rush through this last little bit, but write these scriptures down. Galatians 5, 16 and 21, I do want to read this. It says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a promise. For the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest in these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness. Idly, uh, uh, witchcraft, hatred, barrenness, emulation, wrath, strife, sedation, heresy, envy, and murder, drunkenness, reveling, and such of these, such like of the of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no fine line there. It's that's just what it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, good, great, and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. God gave you everything you need. 2 Peter 2 and 1 and 3, we read that. For living for life and godliness. He didn't shortchange you at all. You just have to apply it and walk in it. You are called to be living stones. You have your life in Christ. Does your life reflect Christ? Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And we thank you for your words. We thank you for your wisdom, Father. Now take this seed, Lord. Let it plant in our hearts and grow and take root and come to fruit at the times that we need it. So that we can be the women and men of God we are called to be. An army at this time. But also lively stones. In Jesus name. Amen.